Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts, Grower Edition, a podcast brought to you by Sean Bloomgren and Andrew Penny from Central Iowa. On our show, we discuss all things agronomy and high yield management. We give you real-time updates on what we're seeing and hearing in the field, and we gain insight from industry professionals as we bring you relevant and timely information on current agronomic practices. Welcome, Andrew. How are you? Good. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing really good. Uh, Andrew and I usually record the show uh, together in the same place, but we're actually, uh, uh, Andrew's actually out in the field doing some plot work, and uh, our show is a little unique this week. Um, Andrew, tell our listeners kind of uh, what we've been doing over the last day and a half. Yeah, so we've been uh, interviewing uh, some top growers from across uh, the Corn Belt. So, so we're lucky enough to get some uh, some uh, very interesting and, and, and uh, you know progressive growers from uh, Nebraska all the way over to Indiana. So, super excited to hear from them and and uh, what they have to say. You know how their how their year's been, and uh, hopefully take away some learnings from the 2022 growing season. Yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes we've done, um, which I feel like I say that every week. I think every week I get uh, I get excited by the content, but it's been really fun because the goal of our podcast has been to take an agnostic look at just uh, corn and soybean management and try and connect growers with people who think well about managing crops. And so we, over the next hour or so, as we go around the uh, the Midwest, we're asking growers how their season was, um, what their expectations were coming into harvest, and then ultimately what they're seeing. So uh, really hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, it's going to be a little bit fragmented, a little bit different than our show uh, normally is, but appreciate you guys sticking it out. On the backside, we'll come back and we'll do our pity for your thoughts. I know Andrew uh, was able to do a really good job of kind of uh, interviewing these people and finding out what was important to them. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. As always, a penny for your thoughts at gmail.com. If you have show ideas or guests that you would like us to interview and really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, Use that email if you want to give us your own harvest updates. We'd love to hear what you are seeing and hearing in your area. So anything else, Andrew? Nope. Good summary. Looking forward to uh, hearing from these guys. Yeah, we'll connect with you guys on the backside. Thank you. I'm excited to introduce our next guest. Uh, welcome, Mr. Tim Kowser. Tim, how are you today? Hey, wonderful. How are you guys it's, doing? Uh, Very we're doing good. well. It's it's uh, it's exciting to have Tim on. Um, uh, Tim uh, Tim has 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 been a, a friend of both Andrew and I's for for quite a while, and a, a great producer in the Nevada area. Um, Tim, we're we're kind of doing a harvest update on our on our podcast this week, um, but our our goal is uh, a little more complex than that. What we we're hoping you would do is maybe start with spring, uh, talk about your planting conditions, give us an update on how the summer went, and then maybe your expectations coming into harvest. Yeah, we didn't plant a kernel of corn till May fifteenth, so I was nervous to say the least. We did plant some soybeans in April. You know, you can kind of sneak away with planting beans when it's not quite fit. And they did well. The stand was reduced on them. Uh, overall, so far with yields, we've been uh, very pleased with beans. A uh, lot in the 60s, mostly in the 70s, and we had one field in the 90s. Wow. So we're, <laughs> we're pleased with that. Uh, and somebody asked me what my secret weapon was, and I said I made it rain. Well, I didn't make it rain, but I asked for some rain. <laughs> so no the beans i think compensated quite well this year uh we did have flushing rains in june we had a, a big storm come through and so we did end up side dressing about a third of the corn acres 
And that was a big decision. I actually leaned on Andrew quite heavily for that because nitrogen was so expensive at the time. And uh, I think it paid back. You know, we'll, we haven't harvested all of it yet, so we'll figure that out here soon. Uh, but the beans then, uh, you know, it was awfully dry in August. It didn't rain hardly at all. It didn't rain till September. So the late maturity beans, late maturity corn, it looks like they're really going to be on top. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm curious, you, you mentioned uh, beans before corn. Is that something that's somewhat new to you? Uh, are you still getting kind of used to it? And, and uh, it sounds like maybe you're going to continue with beans before corn as you move forward? Yes, no. It's just as the season presents itself. Um, you know, I think we're learning that we can plant corn a little bit later and we get a little better stand when we do that. The issue comes is that you just only have so many growing degree days. And so... I'm, you know, I'm kind of slowly becoming a long season corn guy to where we're growing 114, <laughs> 15 day hybrids because they yep. yield. Well, yep. you yep. have to be able to put up with uh, 23 and 25% corn here, the 20th of October. So it's your ability to manage wet corn at harvest, basically. And, uh, you know, you're paying for it one way or the other. You either, you're either building a big grain set up to dry corn or you're planting early maturity hybrids and harvesting them dry and getting some phantom loss. And uh, I always say the world's best corn dryer is a feedlot full of cattle. They don't care what moisture it is. Dump it in a pile and let them go for it. But not everybody's got that at their back door. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting, Tim. So you made the comment that it was a big decision to side dress. Obviously, nitrogen prices affect that conversation, you know, pretty significantly. What When you made that in-season decision, tell me about your application method and what did you apply? Yeah, we can go about any direction. We're on 20 inch rows, which is a blessing and a curse. And I think that needs to be our next discussion here because I'm still on the fence about it. But that limits your options for side dress. And so over the years, we've become quite creative in how we do it. We've put tram lines in our in our planter passes. So every other planter pass, I le intentionally leave a row out on the on the outside of the sprayer tires. And then we move them out six inches each. And that allows us to have a roadmap basically to run the fungicide ground rig through the field, not run any corn down. We don't plant any less corn doing that. We actually take that corn and then split it up half on the row next to it. Um, so we wide dropped mostly uh, for the, for the June side dress. Now, prior to that in May, part of our nitrogen strategy, what didn't get in hydrous in the fall, we actually uh, just put straight nozzles or stream bars on the sprayer and go out there and put on 20 gallon or 25 gallon of liquid right after the corn's popping out of the ground. It can be all the way up to six or eight inches tall without hurting it. And you can go cross rows. I mean, it's just such a fast and efficient method to do it. And then you can do that right before um, the forecast is, is calling for rain. Yep. And you know, the nitrogen market, the way it was last year, we were kind of forced to buy fallen hydrous and I'm not, I'm, you know, Andrew and I have gone back and forth on this. How detrimental is anhydrous to your soil? The trouble is it works and it's been around forever. Uh, I feel like the farther away we can put the anhydrous from our plant date, the better off we are. We let that soil come back to neutral. We let the pH come back. We let the biology come back. So although we're probably losing some, we did stabilize it. Um, fall anhydrous is kind of a gamble. The conditions need to be right. But we all know that in the spring, it's never quite dry enough to put anhydrous on. And you're always wanting to plant right after it. <laughs> so that's the risk you take. And that's kind of why we're moving more towards probably it's either going to go on as fall anhydrous or it's going to go on as stream barred nitrogen in the spring. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so you brought up sure. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of good points, Tim. Uh, I, I'm curious, you know, with with the year we had, you know, I, you guys were you, you guys did get some timely rains that maybe some others didn't. What what were kind of some of your expectations going into harvest before you started corn and bean harvest? Gosh, uh, there towards the uh, middle of July, I would have said it's the biggest crop we were ever going to grow. And then as August came around, it got really dry really quick. Yep. And got pretty nervous. And I just remember back in 2012, we just went week after week after week with just no rain and, and how good that crop was considering. So I gave it the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I think I think it's just a, a play on your plant date and your maturity, whether that corn was able to get by long enough uh, until a rain showed up. And the fungicide, the VT fungicide sure helped with that. I noticed fields that didn't get it or got it too late. Uh, a lot of guys were wanting to spray VT fungicide more so at brown silk, almost R1, because they're worried about tar spot. And I am not in that camp. I, I thought, man, we've got stress on the crop. The way fungicide pays for itself is kernel abortion. So it needs to be on early. You need to save all the kernels you can. So we did that before flag leaf is coming out. We're out there spraying. And uh, I think that helped uh, give the corn an extra week. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim, you're into harvest now into the corn harvest. Um, tell us what you're seeing. And, uh, 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 when you're going through the field in the combine. As far as corn goes, harvest appearance is very important to me. I got to have good looking corn. And I know at the end of the day, the yield monitor is really all that matters, but this weekend, we're going to have 80-degree temperatures this weekend, and then a cold front comes through Monday morning, and it's supposed to be severe storms. And just that that risk of having corn on the ground, you spent all this money and all this effort and time putting this crop, growing this crop, to have it fall down. It's To me, that's worrisome. And that's one of the reasons we're so interested in this short-statured corn. So harvest appearance is important. Ear retention is important. And... Uh, the early corn that we've been in so far is at least 20, 30 bushel less than the late season corn. Yep. And, and it's actually more significant than that in several spots. You know, you're bumping up over 300 bushel an acre in, in low spots where it had moisture throughout the summer. Uh, as far as disease control goes, we do have tar spot in every field, but it's not very bad. It came in really late. It's not very severe. So it's here and it should be on your mind for next year. Yep. What so, else? Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so So as, as we wrap up, um, one of the things, you know, kind of our end goal is to have, have a key takeaway and make a lesson learned, whether you're an agronomist or a grower. So, you know, even though harvest isn't over yet, Tim, um, is, is there anything you can look back on, on maybe just something you've tried differently, a product, a management practice, anything, any, any key takeaways yet this far for 2022? Andrew, you can't put that as just one question. You realize that like we're we're like the we're like the weird farmers out here. We can't do anything just normal. We have to tinker with it and do that's, it different. That's why, Tim, you have to do one key takeaway. You can't do all your takeaways. We'd have to do a whole podcast, which we can do. We can do yeah. it. But for today, give us your highlight. Population is uh something that I'm seeing this year. I've been in the camp that we need to start lowering our population. I know you don't want to hear that, Sean, but I feel like nor do I. <laughs> I feel like our stock quality and our ear size and our drought tolerance every at granted we're in 20 inch rows, so we've got a little higher canopy temperature and a little more humidity. Every time we keep going lower on our populations, it keeps working better. 
And uh, we drank the Kool-Aid hook, line, and sinker back in 2011-12 when we first went to 20s to plant 38, 40,000. And it was just like straws out there, straws of weed out there. It was so thin. and Yep. So let that corn flex a little bit. Know your hybrids. And uh, it's not going to work for all of them. But for, for most of them, especially the long season ones that can adapt and can flex. Um, and then along with that plant structure means... I, it's, I've had the opposite results of what everybody's told me. You got to plant pineapple leaf, upright leaf structured plants. And I've had the opposite experience that the, the, the wider the leaf, the drooper it is, the more green to the bottom, the, the better yield we're getting. So uh, there's a correlation there between plant size, leaf size, and ear size. Well, Great. Tim, I've, I've always appreciated uh, your, your passion for learning and, and your willingness to test on your own farm and, uh, I, I do, I would love to, uh, on a future podcast, pick your brain. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more learnings, but, uh, um, for today and for time's sake, we appreciate, uh, you being willing to join us and give your insight and kind of an update from Nevada, uh, wish you a bountiful and safe rest of harvest and, uh, yeah, appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Tim. you guys. You guys be safe. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. All right. Well, I'd like to introduce our next guest, Mr. Kevin Cox from Indiana. Kevin, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, we always do a little pre-call. And uh, Kevin, tell our listeners where you're from and what's going on in your uh, in your hometown. So I live near the town of Brazil, Indiana. So we're about an hour west of Indianapolis, west central Indiana. We kind of call it the armpit of the world. We're uh, <laughs> In the four counties of Park, Putnam, Clay, and Vigo. Currently, right now, we have the largest festival in the state of Indiana going on. It's uh, very conveniently timed in the between the second and third weekends in October, and, re, and it takes place uh, within. Well, we've got fields all the way around it, so we have a million people that comes into our little part of the county during the festival, and wow. more revenue comes in in that ten-day period than all the rest of the year to the county. But it creates a lot of drama for us just trying to move equipment. We'll move equipment in the middle of the night to try to get stuff here. A couple of years ago, we moved equipment at 2 a.m. through the town of Brazil because the traffic is so backed up during the day. And it is it is a real challenge moving equipment. What's everybody there to see? I have no idea, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. It, 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 it's a lot of, you know, handmade, crafty stuff, you know, a lot of. Um, a lot of food vendors. You can you can get everything from a tattoo to a painted cow pie to a walking stick. So, <laughs> if, we might have to come out and do our out. next interview in uh, in person so we can see the spectacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want it, if you want it, I promise you, you can find it there. So. Yeah, I love it, Kevin. Uh, we appreciate you taking uh, taking the time to join us. We are following a format as we're doing our harvest update. Our goal is to uh, to end up in your combine with you and see what you're seeing. But our goal is for you to take us through the year a little bit. So tell us about your um, tell us a little bit about your farm and specifically what we're planting conditions like this spring. Maybe order of the crops that you plant and uh, a little bit about uh, conditions and considerations you make when you go to the field. So my son and I farm again in the counties of Park Putnam, Clay, and Vigo. We we uh, plant corn and soybeans as all well. we have a few had a cattle for the freezer beef market um, but typically you know we, we want to get in the field we want to get started somewhere in that 10 to 15th of april you know is the 
the target window like to have quite a bit of our corn, if not all of our corn in the ground in April. Yep. Um, we run everything on 20 inch rows, higher populations, uh, prescriptions on every single aspect of the operation from, you know, lime to fertilizer to seeding rates. Everything is nitrogen rates. Everything is uh, variable rated. We grid sample everything. I mean, we're very, very extensively involved in the agronomy aspect of to try to produce the very maximum amount that we can off of every acre so we, we really try to focus on that so earlier planting we, we've seen benefits of that especially in the soybeans and so trying to trying to push that window uh, last year we were able to it would have been 21 season to plant you know two or three hundred acres of beans you know in the early early uh, early week and a half the first week and a half second week of april um, saw some real benefits of that that was our desire this year was to try to get more acres of those of course we ran into cold and wet and uh, found ourselves down to about the second week of May before we were really able to get rolling and uh, finished up uh, the week of Memorial Day, first two or three days of June. So, you know, 30 days late compared to what we would like to have been as our target. Um, but, you know, it, it was what it was. So we're in a lot of wet conditions. We were planning into conditions that I told my son, if if, if, if I was to catch somebody doing what I was doing, I'd, I'd want to kick their hind end. Because <laughs> definitely, definitely shouldn't have been planting some of the days that we were planting. But, um, but then, we then, then, of course, you know, the worst of the worst, you plant into mud. And then it turns off really hot and really dry. I mean, we've got some 90s. I think it even tickled 100 degrees a couple of days there, those first couple of weeks of June. So, you know, my granddad always said, you know, it takes a, a dry June to create a good corn crop. Then, buddy, we ought to have a bumper because it was <laughs> hot and it was dry and it was just the worst of conditions to follow up a wet planting season. And so a lot of phone calls from my agronomy guys, you know, hey, you know, are we going to have any kind of a crop, you know, and all of them are like, you know, Kevin, step back from the ledge, you know, put the bills away. <laughs> you know, yeah. It depends on the rest of the growing season. You know, if we get the rain, if we have the right kind of conditions, you know, we can still see a good crop. And so then it started raining, you know, so about that last week of June, uh, good Lord started giving us some rain and, and we started getting rain every week. And, and whenever about the time I would think, oh, it'd be nice to have some rain and rain that night. And we just kept getting rain all summer long. Mm. And and it was just every 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 time I wanted to rain, I got I never had any really we had one really big rain. But other than that, it was, you know, inch, inch and a half. I mean, it was just it was just you couldn't have asked for anything more. The, the you know, the, the discouraging part or or heart wrenching part is this you didn't have to look very far away to find guys that were really, really dry and it just stayed really, really dry. And yeah. and I hated it for them, but, you know, we we have just had a, a, a great growing season. So then getting into harvest, uh, you know, we're, we're heavy users of fungicides, you know, biologicals. We're trying to do everything we can to enhance that plant health as long as we possibly can into the growing season. Yep. And it's one of those things I, I teach in adult Sunday school class at my church. And I tell them, I say, you know, be careful what you ask for. You might get it. Well, this was one of those years, okay? You know, I kept asking and praying for a long growing season. You know, we got it. You know, stuff to stuff to grow and really fill out those top pods. We got it. You know, have some some size to those beans instead of them being blanks or BBs. Yep. We got it. And awesome. now, you know, we're cruising along here at three miles an hour, just beans <laughs> instead of five miles. An hour, you know, and and what are we going to do with all of them? You know, I had three semis sit at the elevator for eight hours yesterday at the only elevator within 50 miles of my farm. 
Wow. They'll take beans. They'll take beans. Everybody else is full. Wow. Processors no are full. The elevators are full. They're waiting on trains. The elevator that we typically go to is a gabolin facility. They're supposed to have a train on Friday. It finally showed up today. Wow. And, and it is just killing us. And the manager there, he and I were talking yesterday. We're pretty good friends. And he said, he said, Kevin, he said, you know, there hasn't been a rain delay. I mean, we lost about a half a, a day one, one day since we started harvesting. Um, and he's like, there just hasn't been any breathing room. You know, we haven't had time to get, you know, they've, they've got a pile outside. They've got a building full. You know, I mean, they're just, and yields are 20%, 15-20% better than normal. You know, yeah. so it, it has just been one of those things. I, I, I asked for a big crop. I asked for a great <laughs> growing season. Now I'm trying to figure out what in the world to do with what I asked for. So, it's, a good, so, it's a good problem to have to deal with, right? I mean, it's always, oh, uh, that's it. always uh, I, I, far I, better I than the alternative. Had, <laughs> I literally just had a landlord call me while, while, while you and I were supposed to be on the phone. And he was like, hey, I got my check here. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. You know, he said, it's too much. And I'm like, hey, you know, send me a Christmas card. Throw a little extra in there, you know? <laughs> there you go. I, I got it. Like, He's like, you know, this is way more than I expected. I just want to tell you, thank you. You know, I don't get those calls very often. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. It's good to get those. Definitely. Right. I, I got to ask, Kevin, what, what's your secret? You know, we were we were and still are pretty dry here in Iowa. Uh, what, what's your secret when it comes to rain? Do you have some special dance that, that you found that, <laughs> that works well? It's just a good thing it's radio. If it was TV, I couldn't show you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kevin, tell us, uh, so so we're kind of trying to collect some numbers here. So you mentioned 20% better. Give us give us kind of some of those numbers. So corn, um, good corn for you this year is is what? Good beans for you this year or what? It's, it's pretty consistent. I mean, for this part of the world, we've got a lot of yellow clay, heavy, heavy yellow clay. Yep. So tile, tile, we tile every acre. I mean, we, we put in over 2 million feet of tile ourselves with a mounted tile plow. I mean, we tile everything. We buy a piece of ground. It's already figured into the budget of tile and a solid as soon as we get it. So yep. tile is, is, a, is, a, is a has to. Um, in this area, there's a lot of 50, 55 bushel beans. Yep. You tickle that 60 every once in a while. Guys will talk about raising 70. They're lying. They're not, <laughs> they're not weighing them. You know, they're not weighing them. And, and so, you know, we, 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 it just, we, we, our farm average, you know, if, if we get up into that 60 bushel, we've really accomplished something, yep, you yep. know, and we'll have those areas that the yield monitor will show a hundred bushel and then the field average 55, you know, I mean, but we, you know, we, we just, just don't have that. The only black dirt I've got is where the trash barrel sits. Okay. All right. We, just, <laughs> we don't have you know, our organic matter, you know, it's like, you know, 0.01 or something. I mean, we just, it's, it's, it's just pretty tough dirt, pretty tough dirt. Yep. But right now we're seeing, you know, consistently, 60 65 67 68 one one farm went 71 you know i mean it's just for us like you say it's about a 10 bushel 15 20 percent increase over normal i mean it is it is it's fun to raise a crop like this yeah yeah you know and and we, we went to a meeting here uh then four or five years ago trent and i my boy and it was the century club is what they were they were touting at our local uh, co-op that we buy off of and and their whole idea was, is we've got 10 things we want you to do, to commit to doing, to try to raise 100 bushel beans. And we went and we were doing, I think it was seven or eight of the 10 already. Yep. You know, it's just the ground. We just don't have really good dirt here. I've got spots. I just don't have a lot of really good dirt. And so yep. for us to be experiencing these kind of yields is, 
is is really something astounding for us. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, so corn wise, I guess you asked corn. Yep. Corn in our you know part of the world, you know, everybody for years and years and years has, has been chasing that elusive two hundred bushel corn. You know, the last three out of the last five corn crops, we've set record yields for our part of the world. You know, I still have those hundred and fifty bushel fields, hundred and sixty bushel fields, but we're seeing stuff now, you know, getting into those two thirties, two forties and my boy, I just talked to him a minute ago. I said, what that what that farm make is one that I own. It's got good fertility. It's got, well, it's all tiled, pattern tiled good. I mean, it's just a farm that raises good corn. Yep. And he's like, it's a 257 average. Nice. You know? So for us to see that again, we raise, I, I, I figure whenever I'm doing my budgeting and stuff, usually 185, you know, as a farm average, um, I, I, I think will be 20% above that, you know, yeah. something like that. F- 15 to 20%. It's just, it's just like I say, it's just fun, and, yeah. and we haven't really picked a lot of our really good dirt yet. So I've got I've got a three hundred acre piece of ground that is just just my baby, yep. and and I I am just really stoked to see what it'll produce. I bet I bet after seeing yields like that on a, on a rougher acre, it's it's. And I don't I usually don't tell people. You know, somebody will ask, and I'll be like, it's pretty good. You know, yep. I don't want to, you know, yep. and I, I don't want to. I don't want to be one of those guys. I had a, I had a friend one time. His yields always just just beat the socks off everything I had, you know. And I finally asked somebody one day. I said, "What's what's what's he do? You know, what's he do different than I do?" He goes, "Well, he figures everything wet, and that's ten percent." You know, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. well, that's my problem. I weigh everything." You know, I mean, it's your- <laughs> well, one of one of the things that you know that we're really trying to do is is. You know, certainly not the coffee shop talk, you know, braggadocious attitude or anything, but just say, hey, there are practices that contribute to yield and we need to be aware of what those practices are. And we need to be encouraging each other in the ag community to to ad, uh, adopt and, and and help each other think about the way we do um, agronomy on our farm. Because the reality is there are there are producers that are incorporating really good practices and those are contributing to yield. And that's that's part of what we want to accomplish here. Um yeah, Andrew. Let's ask our last question. And, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so Kevin, as we wrap up, um, we're, we're kind of curious. I'm not ready to wrap up. I got more stuff to talk about. Right? <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. I'm really a basically a shy person. You'll notice that. I, I, I can tell. Uh, so, so we always like to have have a key takeaway, whether it's we learn something from you know who we're interviewing or or other growers. You know, even though harvest isn't done for 2022, are, are there any, you know, are, are there any key takeaways that you've kind of learned already? You know, whether whether that's a, a new management practice, a, a new product, or just anything new that you've done on your farm, or, or even just something new that you've seen that, that you've kind of learned and, and maybe take that away and, and implement into 2023? Well, one of the one of the biggest things that we have focused on, I guess, is that I've kind of got away from this idea that there's a home run out there. You know, I don't I don't think there's a magic pill. I don't think there's a silver bullet, you know, but I do think there's a lot of base hits that we can get. And so, you know, our, our, our narrow rows, we went to that because we were maxing out our populations on our 30 inch rows. Yep. So we went to 20s. We've been doing 20 inch rows now close to 20 years now. And so we've been able to maximize. Uh, you know, our populations really starting to push those. You know, we we've, we've split applied our nitrogens here about. 10 years ago now, I, I said, there's got to be a better way to do it. We've been doing things like this forever. There's got to be a better way of doing stuff. And so we stepped in and, and I went around to about 10 different producers that I really had a lot of respect that raised really good crops. And I talked to two different agronomy teams from, from one from uh, DeKalb and one from Agrivol that I worked with at the time. And I'm like, if you were writing just a, a, a perfect prescription of how to raise a great crop, what would you do? 
And so one of those was split applied nitrogen. So we had been fall applied anhydrous, spring applied anhydrous. We'd used urea. We'd used 32. We'd done about everything over the years. And so we went to split applied. So we run nitrogen anhydrous pre-plant. We run 32 as a weed and feed right behind the planter. And then we side dress with urea when the corn's about waist high. Yeah, so we're yep. hitting that plant three different shots of nitrogen where we're, we use two rounds of fungicides on one, one in mid growing season, another one closer to harvest time, you know, post tassels. So we're, 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 like I say, we're writing, using prescriptions on everything, you know, and so spoon feeding that, you know, running, running the populations to where we're maximizing the potential of that ground, you know, using the right fertilizer where we need to do it, you know, and, and so trying to do those things, um, we're seeing we're seeing significant increases in our yields, and I'm not saying that everybody else isn't having good crops this year. Yep. But I, I had a guy ask me one time. He said, "How will you know out of all those things you tried which one thing worked?" And I'm like, "I, I don't care as long as it works. <laughs> yep. As yeah. long as it works." He goes, "Yeah, yeah. but you might have been able to get by without that." I'm like, "Yeah, but if they think that that's really the ticket, then then I need to have that incorporated into our program." And so I, I was at Purdue one time. I got interviewed, and and and, and there was one of the professors asked me. He goes, Kevin. He goes, what's the thing that keeps you up at night? I said, the thing that keeps me up at night is the thought that there was something that I did or didn't do that prevented us from having the maximum yield potential. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, guys, especially this year where budgeting was a real issue, a lot of guys cut out fungicide. Okay. All right. But on a year where fungicide makes you 15 or 20 bushel, buddy, when corn's six, seven bucks, that's a year I want it. You know, yeah, so, absolutely. you know, looking at those things and, and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what we can do to enhance the performance in any way that we can. Our farm is TST farms. That stands for tomorrow starts today. Mm. Anything that we can do to enhance our performance and make that crop better tomorrow. I got to make that decision today off of what worked and what didn't work. And yeah. so we're analyzing everything we do all the time, trying to figure out what worked, what didn't work, what we want to do different, what, you know, we run two 40 foot planters on about 4,500 acres. We average about 500 acres a day planting. Now that, that doesn't come by accident. You know, I mean, it's a NASCAR pit stop whenever we fill up, yep. you know, we're, we're moving all our average field size is like 25 acres. Really? You know, we've got a Jeez. lot of really small tracks, you know, so we're folding and moving all the time. So trying to figure out how to make all that work and having the support staff that we need there to keep everything going is, is, is the key to making all that work. You know? Yep. So. yep. Well, I love, I love the, I love that concept of tomorrow starts today. And, and I think one of the things that I think through high yield management, you know, we, we, we often think, um, it's a failure if we implement a practice and it doesn't necessarily achieve the result we set out to. And I've, I've always wanted to push back against that because I, I think as we try and push the top up, we have to give ourselves the grace to say not everything is always going to react exactly the way we think it does. But the pursuit of that elevated yield is is really important. I think that's Andrew and I's passion is to say, hey, we're not going to get everything right, but let's look at it through the lens of agronomic practices and incorporate the best ones we we can. Um, Kevin, really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, hope hope the remainder of your harvest is, is bountiful and uh, would love to have you back on the podcast again uh, one of these days, but really appreciate your time today. Anytime, anytime. You guys need somebody, somebody, if, if you need a balding, fat, white guy, all right, <laughs> humor, 
You call me. You call me, all right? <laughs> Thank uh, you I very tell much, my Kevin. Wife, I tell my wife I am quite the catch, all right, honey? Bald, fat, white guys are in high demand. You hold on tight, all right? That's what I tell you, all right? <laughs> Kevin, really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Take care. Thanks, Kevin. From Illinois, Austin, welcome to the show. How are you? Wonderful. How about yourself? Doing real good. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. So we've got kind of a special connection here. Uh, tell us about your connection to a penny for your thoughts, Austin. Yeah. So a few years ago, I was sitting in a lecture hall, and uh, <laughs> the TA at the front started to talk about uh, crop physiology and agronomy one eighty one and. Uh, just from then on, I got to meet Andrew and talk to Andrew for quite a few times through uh, office hours. And then, yeah, I had quite an experience with Andrew through Iowa State University and got to know him. And he's been a real nice, good mentor for me for a few years that I've been at Iowa State as a undergrad and now a master's student. Oh, I love it. Well, thanks for thanks for taking time uh, to join us today. Uh, excited to kind of get uh, a view from lots of different parts of the country. Tell us, uh, Austin, where is your farm? Yeah, so I come from a family farm in central West Central Illinois. We are about forty five miles straight to the west of Peoria. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. We've got a uh, kind of a, a set of questions we're asking, and, and even though it's harvest time and we're doing a harvest update. Our goal today is kind of to understand how we arrived at where we are today. So take us back to uh, the spring and just kind of tell us about planting conditions in your area and maybe order of planting and some of the considerations you had as you approached the 2022 growing season. Yeah, so our area in West Central Illinois, it was really pretty ideal planting conditions for us. Uh, it was nice amounts of moisture. It wasn't too cool, wasn't too hot. Uh we were able to get in in the beginning of May, start with our corn. We start with corn first, and then we switched to soybeans, and we got done with our soybeans about uh, middle of May. Uh, most of our ground is tiled, uh, but we have some of pattern tiled, but we have some areas that are lighter soils, heavier soils. So, you know, just looking at the ground conditions, trying to decide when it is going to be best for us to get into the field and have the nicest seed soil contact and the best seed bed, you know, and just give our crop the best uh, start that it could. That's all kind of evaluations we were making. We we're pretty lucky. Like I said, this year, though, it wasn't too tough to evaluate too many things. We were able to get in in pretty ideal conditions. Is that early May? Is that your traditional time frame, or is that later than normal? I'd say that's slightly later than normal. We like mid, probably start planting corn around late to mid April is usually when it is. But this year it was a little bit on the cooler and wetter side, but it didn't hold us back too long as it has in years past. So, gotcha. Nice. So, so it sounds like there was apparently some divide between the massive amounts of rain we were getting here in Iowa and, and where your family farms in Illinois. <laughs> yep. Uh, evidently the Mississippi just decided to stop it. So yeah, it was a, you know, state, and I'm still at Iowa state uh, doing stuff around here. And yeah, it was a very big difference from central Iowa to West central Illinois this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about ideal planting conditions, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, uh, <laughs> have colorful thoughts about that. So. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, Austin, what, what was the summer like, you know, in, in Iowa, we dealt with, uh, you know, severely wet soils and, and just a wet environment in the spring. 
then we, you know, we moved into a period where we were pretty dry and, and entered, you know, you look across the state of Iowa, there was, you know, anywhere from a D1 to now a D3 drought. What, what was the summer like for you guys there in Illinois? So I guess that was, uh, you know, in the spring, the Mississippi River decided to stop all the rain from coming over there. But in the summer, I guess it decided to start at the Mississippi. Uh, so we had, we had a pretty good summer for rainfall, very average rainfall for our area. There wasn't too often, uh, too many wet period, overly wet time periods. And there wasn't many dry periods either. Uh, beginning of June, we had a little bit of a dry spell in the beginning of August. We had a slight dry spell, but overall really average rainfall rainfall. And throughout the summer, the corn looked like very even stands really nice stands and we're really happy with how the summer's going along yeah that's uh um it it sounds like you're having a, a more consistent year than we've had here certainly it's been it's been a little bit of a roller coaster in central iowa with with that kind of ideal planting conditions and uh, uh pretty normal rainfall what was your harvest expectation uh especially maybe thinking comparative to the last couple of years yeah, so compared to the last couple of years, we this I'd say this year would be uh, what most people would hope an average year would look like. But years prior to this, we've had you know the extremes to one side of another. Uh-huh. Uh, we had flatlined winds one year, then we've had excessive rainfall, then we had drought conditions. Uh, so compared to the last few years, we are really exciting going into harvest, hoping for a little bit of a bumper crop, having some above average yields. Uh, that's kind of what our expectations of going into it was. Uh, we we're a little bit concerned on from the soybeans. Uh, we had a bit of a white mold outbreak in our area this year. So really? we weren't as... Uh, Helpful with some of the soybeans, but uh, definitely were def- didn't know exactly what we were getting into going into harvest. Is 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 white mold something you guys typically deal with around there? No, not in that area. We haven't. It's been quite a few years since we've had to battle it, but this year, uh, it evidently, was just the exact right environmental conditions when uh, the white mold was producing its spores and infect the soybean plants and we the environment must have just been perfectly conducive and we actually did have quite a bit of an outbreak in our area so are you running uh narrow rows on your soybeans we are in 30 inch rows so no we're yeah. not narrow wow. rows wow that, that's interesting because you know i've you know typically here in iowa we think of, of white mold as being like a northwest iowa issue but even last year, I saw it as far southeast as, as Jasper County, which is just east yeah. of, of Ames. And so that was that was the first time I've ever seen it that far south and east. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting that you're you're finding it all the way over in your, your neck of the woods. You know, maybe, maybe we'll have to dig into that and have a podcast focused on, on white mold. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it definitely was a it was a big issue or for well, wide range of the area uh, that I'm from this year. So, yeah, it was. It was, it was an issue we were concerned about moving forward. So, yeah. So, so, you know, you, you kind of mentioned about kind of some expectations going into the 2022 harvest. Um, where, where are you sitting now as far as how, how you are, you know, everyone's feeling about where, where you're at as far as soybean and, and corn yields. So corn yields were uh, happy with how they've been. They like, they've been above average, uh, slightly above average, not, uh, not ridiculously above average, but I'd say they've been slightly above average and 
the soybean yield in that places where it's the white mold was extremely extremely bad we had yields cut in half thankfully that isn't uh the case for all of our ground but some of our ground had you know it cut in half and so we're seeing below average soybean yields uh just slightly below average though so give us give us some ballpark ranges i mean uh corn kind of yeah corn and soybean ranges so i say average uh Average in our area for corn would be around the 250s, and then average in our for soybeans would be the 70 to 80 range. So, so it sounds like <laughs> Illinois can actually hang with Iowa when it comes to corn yields. <laughs> they, they can, they can. <laughs> yep. Well, I, that's that's certainly awesome, and I, I uh, it's it's been it's it's been a very very interesting season. But um, happy to hear you guys are are producing some good numbers, and it'll be interesting yeah. to flesh out that white mold conversation. I think I'd like to pursue that a little bit because certainly I, I would agree with Andrew in terms of uh, it seems to be moving around geographically, and then even the narrow rovers. Uh, 30 inch row. Uh, I, f- I find that portion interesting. Um, as we wrap yep. up, I, I realize harvest is not over for you guys. Um, but we're always interested in how people are thinking about, uh, ag- agronomics and, and the practices on their farm. Do you have a, a lesson, uh, from 2022 that you're carrying into next season, whether that's products you're testing or concepts on your farm? Yeah, so we had uh, actually it was a recommendation from Andrew, and we haven't uh, I haven't been able to tell him the response that we've seen yet. Ooh. But he recommended when we were doing our wide dropping some of our nitrogen on, we put about thirty pounds of nitrogen on at the V8 time frame, and he recommended we put ten pounds of sulfur in uh, our in in with that mix, and we're seeing about a ten bushel bump where we did uh, in a very defined line of where we had that product put in it versus where we had the product not put in it. So we are really happy with that 10, putting the 10 pounds of sulfur in side dressed with the Y drops uh, moving forward. And that's going to be something we're going to be looking at for years to come now. Well, Austin, I'm, <laughs> it's, I'm, it's awesome to hear that stuff. It's, it's not too often. I'm right. But when I, I've got to, you, you realize, <laughs> I, you realize I've got to deal with this guy now. So now, so now I, I'm going to have to hear about that forever. And it's, and it's digitally recorded. So I can't even go back and edit this. So no, that's, well, I, that's funny that's great that's that's great to hear i mean you know ultimately we we started this podcast and our and our our goal has really been just to take an agnostic approach to to yield environments and managing farms well and so i'm super happy to hear that and um uh glad you guys are finding success in that way um yeah i uh i hope everything continues to go well for you and your family uh and and for your part of illinois uh, appreciate you be- being willing to join us today and giving Andrew some more uh, fuel for his uh, confidence issues that he has. So maybe maybe now he'll uh, have a little confidence. But yeah, uh, really appreciate it, Austin. Uh, anything to add, Andrew? No, pre- uh, definitely appreciate the time. Uh, it's good to hear how how you guys are doing in that in, in that neck of the woods. So appreciate the time, Austin, and uh, look forward to hearing how harvest wraps up. Yeah, thanks, Austin. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Well, for our next guest, I am excited to introduce Brant Voss. Uh, Brant and his family farm are just west of Des Moines uh, near Dexter, Iowa. Brant, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Sean? I'm doing well. I can hear uh, I can hear some very familiar noises in the background. Uh, are you in the combine today? <laughs> I am. 
I am. Yep. Nope. Just, uh, we got switched back on corn about three days ago, finished up with beans and, um, got about a thousand acres of corn left. So just, uh, taking it day by day and getting done what we can get done. So it's been an interesting year to say the least. Um, we are doing a special edition of our podcast brand and we're, we're calling it the grower edition. We chose not to call it the harvest update because we we certainly want to talk about what you're seeing in the field today, but we'd actually like to kind of rewind the tape to April. Uh, so talk to us about what you observed on your family farm in uh, springtime conditions. What do you look for? Uh, just kind of tell us about what you you know what you saw from from the weather and, and planting conditions, that sort of thing. Yeah, for us, we seen um, we had a real cold April and wet as well and it was a little bit of a challenge to um get the seed into the ground um we we started um right around april 15th um we took a we took a little bit of a risk and planted out there when it was um when it was still pretty cold um but uh that seemed to work out very well in our favor um and then we also um, well, after, let me back up. Let me, uh, I, we, we planted for the first 200 acres we planted, um, around April 15th. And then we took about a two week break just because it wouldn't stop raining. Yeah. Um, and then we didn't get out back out there until the first of May. So, um, you know, it, it was, it, uh, the crop in this year, um, and, and everything planted in a timely fashion, but like always it got done. And, um, um, if you want to fast forward to this summer a little bit, um, that was going to be I my next, my we, next question, Brant. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. no, no it's you, perfect. Yeah, per- yeah. Perfect. You're uh, I, I love it when the, the, the guest just leads the conversation. It's, it's interesting. You know, I think about the difference between 2021 and 2022. I mean, 2021, I think we planted the crop in what about five or six days start to finish. It was like early April hammer down. And, and this year we just had to right. get it out for, for more than a month in a lot of places, but no hit, hit on the summer. So, so couple week differentiation and in, in planting date and tell us about your summer. So, um, you know, we, we had an excellent June, I believe, uh, we were getting timely rains and weather was just ideal. Um, and then July came and around that July 4th time, it, it stopped raining. We didn't get a drop of rain until about the right, right at state fair time. Yep. Um, um, about the second or third week of August is when we finally got, um, another shot of rain, but this was without a doubt in my mind and my dad would vouch for this as well Is this was the hottest summer that we have ever experienced on our farm. And, um, it, it was brutal on, on our corn. I mean, um, we, that, that heat that we experienced, um, really took a toll on our pollination. Um, but um, given the circumstances, we're still, you know, having an excellent fall so far. Yeah. Um, you well, know, so 
you, you bring up a good point, Brant, you know, we, you know, kind of, kind of like last year, it's, it seems like a lot of the rain, you know, we've been dry in, in most of the state, especially on the Western part of, of the state. And, and, you know, yep. I, I remember last year too, you know, matching this year, there was just a lot of spotty rain that, that we got, you know, you, you could be a half yep. a mile away from a, a neighbor or a field of yours. And, you know, you get a half, you know, a quarter or half an inch of rain and then a, a half mile away, there's nothing. And, and I, and I feel like that was, that, that pretty much, uh, gave, gave a good explanation to the, the, the environment that we face this year and the amount of rain that, that many people did or didn't get this year. Right. So, yep. So, so thinking about that and, and looking at how the, how the summer went for you, what, what were your kind of expectations, you know, before you even started harvested corner beans, what were some of your expectations, uh, as far as harvest goes? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't real nervous. Um, I always dad and I always set a real high expectation and, and, uh, and, and have goals in mind. Um, but given the circumstances that we had this year and experience, you know, with, uh, with the colder West spring and, um, but knowing that we had a really good June, but then again, real hot July and August, um, I kind of, I didn't really put a, put a number on it um but i knew that it was going to be not significantly less than last year because last year was a year that i that i always say was just the golden ticket for everybody yep. um you know so i i, I knew that it wasn't going to be nowhere near as good this year but i i knew that we still stood a chance with our corn and our soybeans um so um, I want to say that, uh, um, I expected a yield drag, but, um, it didn't meet my expectations if that makes any sense. And I'm on one of our roughest farms that we have, and I am, uh, averaging, well, so far I'm 60 acres into it and I'm averaging 210. And this is, um, a farm that, you know, we have a lot of cattle traffic on. Um, you know, we calve on it all winter, winter long and everything else. Um, but, uh, yesterday I was, uh, on one of our better pieces of ground and, um, it averaged 270. Wow. And that's also the farm that we, we, uh, won the yield contest on in 2018. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So, so, uh, it's a, it's a real high producing farm, you know, but I, I was very impressed with the yield results on that, especially with it, um, the moisture being down to 15 and a half percent. So, Oh, wow. It's certainly fun yeah. when, when management practices and, and, and hybrids are responsive. Um, our last question, Brent, kind of our, 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 our golden nugget for the, for the grower edition podcast. Tell us, tell us your takeaway from 2022. Is there a, a, uh, a, a product or a practice on your farm that you tried that you learned it, it doesn't necessarily have to be good good or bad do you have a key takeaway from 2022 yeah i think um you know one thing that we're really experiencing and 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 studying is um playing playing with sulfur has been huge for us you know we used to put it on dry um but we switched to liquid um, and, and that has been huge for us. Um, I, I, 
people are going to tell me I'm crazy, but I seriously think that we've seen a, a 20 to 30 bushel yield jump just by going to liquid. Um, what's that application? What's that application look like? Uh, it's right behind the planter. Okay. And, and I put it on with the sprayer. It's in a, um, I'm putting on 30 gallon an acre and I have that blended with liquid 32. So in that 30 gallon, 10 of it is ATS and the rest is 32%. Well, you're the second grower today that has mentioned sulfur as a, uh, a significant part of their, uh, their 2022 learnings. And, and certainly, uh, certainly it'll be, uh, interesting to keep gathering input from growers and excited to hear you're seeing some good numbers. I know, uh, your part of the world experienced a, a, a pretty crazy July and August. Uh, happy to hear the combine running in the background and, and hear some really good numbers. Um, Brant, we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, wish you a uh, safe and bountiful uh, remaining harvest. And uh, yeah, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thanks, Brant. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean, Andrew. Love hearing from you guys and we'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thanks, Brant. Take care. See you. All right. Well, for our next guest, uh, would like to introduce Aaron Keck. Aaron, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It sounds like, are you in a combine or piece of equipment? I, I'm in a, a tractor right now. I was doing some dirt work earlier today. So. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, tell tell our listeners uh, where are you from and where do you farm? Well, I'm uh, from Northeast Nebraska, kind of the Pierce Plainview area, and I farm corn and soybeans. Um, I am, uh, I also do agronomy work on the side and, uh, I bought my own first farm in 2017 and it's dry land. So that's been a whole kind of new experience diving into that. <laughs> yeah. That, that puts a, you guys over there in Nebraska, put a whole new term and thought process behind drought tolerance. Yep. I feel yep. like yeah, it's pretty <laughs> wild. So we're, we're following kind of a format, um, Aaron, where, you know, our goal today is kind of to do a harvest update, but we feel like it doesn't do it justice if we just ask you how your crops are doing. So, um, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us a little bit about, uh, planting conditions this spring and considerations that you take into an account, uh, when you head to the field with corn and soybeans. So this year, uh, I'm, well, I'm on a, corn soybean rotation for this year and so we we no-tilled into bean stubble and actually it was a little bit on the wetter side we had a little bit of spring rain and uh oh about 24 hours after we planted my farm um we ended up getting a two inch downpouring rain about an hour and a half <laughs> oh jeez! and so we we ended up getting some compaction and there's a little bit of stand issues from that but after that rain, um, it, it, the faucet turned off, and by the time October rolled around, I only had four and a half inches of total rainfall at my farm. Oh, wow. Are you <laughs> – you only had four and a half inches of rain in the entire growing season? In the entire growing season. So you completed planting when? So uh, the my field was planted on May 10th. Wow. Holy cow. Two inches of rain, you said, in about an hour and a half, and then four and a half total between essentially now and then. That's yep. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to ask how the summer went, but I, <laughs> I guess you kind of <laughs> gave us kind of answered that. Huh? Yeah. So, so, so was that was that was that typically wetter? Uh, you know, you mentioned that that two to two what two and a half inches yeah. in, at planting is is that pretty normal, or are you guys typically drier? So, 
So I, actually, when I, I bought the farm, the farm is split between about oh two thirds cropland and a third hay meadow. Well, I, I'm strictly a grain farmer, so I thought I was going to tear that up. Well, 18 rolled around and it was wet. 19 was super wet, and I could only plant about half my acres. So I've been keeping this hay meadow open, and ever since then we've we've had really tough conditions on getting that that specific field. Well, in any of our wetter ground planted in general. So I I would say that we were a little bit on the more normal side and really it was amazing we had as much uh, moisture in the, the soil profile considering we got zero snow all winter too. Hmm. Yeah. What what are some of your some of your biggest concerns going? You know, you, th- you think about the conditions you guys deal with over in Nebraska compared to, you know, Iowa, some of the other states. Um, what, what are some of your biggest concerns going into planting? Is that, you know, there are spots I've heard uh, across certain parts, maybe not in the United States as much, but I've heard, you know, Australia, for example, you know, they got, they got to wait to plant in, until they get a rain, right? Yeah. And so what, what do you, what's some of your major um, considerations of going into a planting season over there in Nebraska? Oh, I, I'm a hundred percent worried about our moisture for next year. And I mean, uh, it, it, it just, it's, it's cracked. The ground is cracked so hard that I'm hearing a lot of talk about the, from these cattle feeders. They're worried about their water lines freezing. Jeez. Really? And I, I mean, yeah, I, I think if you had dropped your pliers in some of these cracks, I, I don't know if it would, they'd probably go down three, four feet, I think, before you even see it stop. <laughs> They need to lose your iPad, not just your phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a really big concern. And yeah. if we can't get any of this, uh, any moisture back into this crop, number one, our planters aren't even going to be able to penetrate the ground and get it in. And then you're not going to get anything to even sprout. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Where, where does, you know, we often think about uh, Nebraska as being irrigated. And I know not the whole state is. In, mm-hmm. in, compared to where you are, where, where does that irrigation, you know, the, those those systems start and stop? So I, I would actually say probably in most of the Plainview-Pierce area, we're, we're probably 90% irrigated. Yep. And uh, the area that my farm's in, it, the water is really poor. It's really hard to find wells. And so that's that's one reason why that, that's dry land. I don't have that option to irrigate. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I I would say yeah, it's it's probably almost close to ninety percent is irrigated. If you, if you can put a well on that farm, it's irrigated. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Um. So give me before I ask about your your pre-harvest expectation give me your uh your kind of trend line so take expectation out of this year what what is your average hope for corn and soybeans in your area so um I mean that's a beyond a million dollar question this year because <laughs> I mean everything was so variable and you know hilltops burned up where the bottoms I mean they're they're still doing good I, I mean as a whole stuff look really good this year but i wouldn't say it's as good as what last year was i wouldn't be surprised if we're off by 10 to 15 percent yep uh for for sure on the corn and beans I, yeah we were every bit of that off on the beans as well yeah so 
Yeah, that, that, I would say that matches kind of what we've seen here in Iowa. You know, we had we had almost a record year last year in, in Iowa, just, despite some yep. of the drier conditions. And, and I think that really proved that, you know, corn and soybeans can do fairly well in, in, in drier conditions, how, how much they don't like wet feet. Um, but yep. th- this year, you know, we were just so wet in the spring and then the, the water just shut off. And yeah, I, I think I think that's about where we're at, maybe 15 to, to 30 percent, eh, maybe 15 to 20 yeah. off, off of last year. So, so yeah, we're, we're kind of right there in that same scenario uh, with you there, Aaron. Yep. So our our kind of favorite question to ask, uh, and, and we really appreciate you taking time to be on with us today. As uh, so, have you guys started harvest? Or you where where are you at in the process? I guess before I get to that point. So, so um, we're we're fully done with soybeans, and we're about well over half done with corn. Okay, excellent. So this this question is is important. Then, as as we start to wrap up twenty twenty two, as you finish harvest, um, help us just give us an idea. Do you have some key takeaways from the year, especially in terms of the way you manage your farm or 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 products or practices you're trying on your operation? Um, did you did you have some key takeaways? Well, I, I can tell you one thing is I'm I'm tired of these extremes every year. It seems <laughs> like we've got it's. Yeah. I know I've always joked that uh, the weather patterns in Nebraska, you take two years, throw out both years, and that's average. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really think that it's it, it's just the diversity, the diversity that we're having to fight every year. When, yeah, where you about mud your crop in, and then you pretty much burn it up. It, it's hard to make your, your correct management decisions where – now we're looking at record high prices on all our inputs and well, and not knowing what the right avenue to go in is, is really kind of putting a lot of stress on growers. Yeah. I, I can imagine that with the, with the input cost and, and some of the, the, the drought, you know, environmental conditions you guys have to deal with that, that would make it hard, you know, just picturing having to put anhydrous on, or even, you know, if you're doing 32%, whatever it may be, you know, just, just those dry conditions alone would make me kind of nervous about having to, to make those decisions. And, and we don't know where our nitrates are, where, you know, your, if your crop only made, like, let's say your corn only made 50 bushel where you're fertilizing for 200, where's all that extra nitrogen at? Yep. And how much do you plan for next year? Well, and then what's your practice for next year? You know, if the, if it stays dry, should you even really put out anything? But yet, if it starts raining there mid-season, you got to be able to leave that open so you can do, say, put a late-season Y-drop application or something like that. Yeah. So you actually have the fertility that you need to finish out your crop. Yep. So I'm, I'm curious, too, before we go, you know, you mentioned some of the just the drier conditions in, in different fields. Do you guys have anything where you, if you get into a situation that is, is maybe too dry for corn or soy, is there something that, that growers often turn to to plant in that area? No, I, we pretty much give the old college try on every acre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I, you know, you guys are obviously in a in a, a more extreme climate than we are here in in central Iowa, but. I, I really echo your, I guess, insecurity or whatever. You know, it's it's tricky because there's great opportunity, but it, it feels like great risk. And I think we had we've had a couple guests on recently, um, just some just some really great thinkers in ag that have talked about how there's so much upside opportunity, but there's but there's such a challenge to just building a really good program, and 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 that obviously is 
exceptionally challenging when we're in the extremes like like you're describing. So um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting couple of years where we try and evaluate uh uh different products and practices under extreme conditions for sure. So um well, Aaron, really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, appreciate the update. Wish you a, a, a safe um, and hopefully bountiful uh, rest of your corn harvest. Um, we we would love to check in with you again uh, next spring if uh, if you'd be willing to join us again. It'd be great to have you back. Yeah, that word. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah. See ya. All right. Well, welcome. We are joined by Brett Heidemann. Uh, Brett's a grower from the Ogden, Iowa area. Brett, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you. Uh, we're doing a grower edition of Opinion for Your Thoughts, uh, Brett, and our goal is kind of to really attack a harvest update, but kind of from a give us perspective from the whole year. So before we kind of ask you about uh, your harvest, um, tell us a little bit about the growing season you've had in Ogden, Iowa this year. Well, this year it was definitely a more difficult year than normal. Um, we started out with fairly good conditions and then it just rained and rained and rained. We went from being in drought conditions to the wettest we've ever been and then back to drought conditions later on in the season. So it's been a very interesting year. It seems like that's kind of the story of 2022 is is microclimates of either way too much rain or not enough and inconsistent uh, uh, inconsistent rainfall, that sort of thing. Um, so if you can, and I realize it's hard to go this far back, but think back to that early April timeframe, talk, talk through just, just planting conditions. What were your concerns? Uh, what were the challenges uh, of putting in this year's crop? Let's see, the biggest concerns this year back in the spring time frame was uh, just, it was, you're going to have to refresh my memory on this, but was it, it was pretty cool in the April time frame, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. It, it was yeah. cool and then obviously wet. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it seemed yeah. it seemed like it seemed like I I I remember in late March there was a week of like 70s. I mean 70s it was even pushing 80s and I I kind of panicked like, "Oh man, we may repeat a 2021." Yeah, we may have the earliest spring we've ever had and then uh towards the end of April it was quite the opposite. It stayed cool and we we uh we ended up getting really wet. No, that's what I it, it, these two years this year and the year before kind of were a little bit the same in that aspect um but this year for sure like it, it was cold for a long time so we decided that we were going to plant all our beans first which was a good uh, good move for us yep but i wish after seeing how they how well they did this year even it planted in some questionable conditions that we would have pushed them even earlier and then we would have had all our beans done because there is a window where we were able to get the beans in and then it just rained and then we, we were out in the field for two weeks before we could get back to the beans yeah, yeah. do you do you, then, do you do you do you remember at all brett what, what kind of planting window you had or i wouldn't say window but uh you know from from the time you started planting corn to when you ended what what kind of uh gap there was um i could like in between the rains you mean uh in, in between like when you first started planting corn and maybe when you finished up how, how big oh, a window okay. was that? I can tell you here in a second. Um, but it was 
one of our longer seasons. We didn't get done till. Well, let's see here. I know it was quite the contradiction because in in 2021, the vast majority of our corn went in the ground at about a seven or eight day period. I mean, it was like it was like the 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 start flag and the and the checkered flag were pretty close together. It was it was insane how quick it went in a year ago, and then certainly this year it was it was pretty spread out. Yep, looks like we started planting four four twenty seven, and we got done six thirty. Oh, oh boy! Gosh. Yeah, that's a that's a no. It was quite big, the window. Yeah, <laughs> that is a large window. Yeah. So, so we, we started getting concerned about so we we tend to grow later maturity, so we started to get concerned about that. So halfway through this through the planting season, we flipped and started planting our later maturities first, and worked our way back. Yep. Or I should say, worked our way earlier. Yep. So as, as you as you continued through the summer and, you know, you mentioned you you went from a dry to a extremely wet and then back to a you know, really dry conditions. What what was uh, what was the summer like and, and what was that? What, what was your kind of, uh, you know, were there any concerns going into harvest uh, because of those conditions throughout the summer? Oh, yeah. This year, I, it, my, one of my big concerns was car spot. And now that we're out here, it's. It came in late here everywhere. It's now now here to stay. Yep. Um, that was one of my concerns. My other concern was obviously drought stress and just stress in general. Um, but like for conditions for getting stuff done, it was great conditions to get stuff done in. Um, but we started combining our corn and it's just field by field. I mean, it can go one field. It, it seems like the range is anywhere from 180 to 200 around here. And it just all depends on which field maybe found a little bit more, which one maybe had some heavier soils. It's all very variable. Hmm. Yeah. I, I have, a, I have a feeling a, a lot of the growers I've talked to across the state, I have a feeling we're going to be able to take soil texture maps, overlay that with our yield maps. And there's going to be a pretty good relationship between some of the heavier soils, you know, higher water holding capacity and, and some of those lighter soils. Oh yeah. I, I would hundred percent agree with you on that this year. So you mentioned, Corn running 180 to 200. Uh, coming out of this summer, going into harvest, I guess. Wh- what were your expectations? Do you feel like you've you've exceeded those? Are you are you give me give me your thoughts, kind of as we're as we're finally really getting into this thing. Honestly, this year I I didn't know what expectations to have because it was it's just all over the board just because of the weather. I I was hoping that if we averaged 200, we'd be doing pretty pretty darn good. I was honestly thinking more like 190 average is what I was originally thinking. And right now, uh, we're probably going to end up being close to that at the moment. We'll see uh, We'll see what the later maturities do. But uh, right now, that's kind of my feeling. Nice. Well, uh, so, so you, you kind of mentioned too, uh, tar spot, um, is that something as you, as you, you know, I, I know you're running the rip right now, which is kind of why you're, uh, we, I can kind of hear stuff in the background, you know, the, the quality isn't the yeah. best, but you're out working. So, um, you, you kind of mentioned tar spot. Is, is that something that, that you've had discussion with, with whoever's running the combine or are they seeing it pretty prevalent, prevalently And um, what's your thoughts on that? So originally last year was the first spot we saw was up in our north or east fields, uh, north of Boone. Yep. And I've been scouting for it all season, hadn't really seen it anywhere else. But now right here, 
you know, late season before the stuff started to die, it was starting to show up in all the fields. So it's yeah. here to stay. So we're definitely going to have to manage that. Yeah. Do you feel like it, do you feel like it moved in late enough, you know, after those, those kernels reached physiological maturity and, and, and just came in kind of late, maybe didn't impact yield. Or do you think it moved in quick or, or earlier than that? I think it, this year it moved in late and I don't think it had much effect on yield. Now the question is now that it's here and populated in the soil, what are we going to have to do for next year? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, We'll send you a link to a podcast. <laughs> we had uh, we had Allison Robertson on and and uh, did did a did a really nice job. I think Allison was was just a great resource to kind of help us think through positioning of of both scouting and and kind of the the speed of the disease and what to look for, and then obviously what tools we're going to use to manage that disease going forward. So, um, uh, not really kidding when I say we we we've got a great tool. I think to kind of talk through that. Um, but, uh, but certainly I agree. It's, it's here to stay. It seems like it's, it's probably the number one, uh, number one concern going into 2023 as we place hybrids and think about management, we need to consider that. Um, Brett, before we let you go, this is kind of our golden nugget question. Um, I realize that harvest is not wrapped up for you, but 2022 has been very unique and a pretty challenging growing season. Do you have a, a, a takeaway or or a couple takeaways that that as you're running through the field, you've kind of um, you know maybe some learnings from your farm from this season? Um, well, this year I we do a lot of trials in general, and uh, we haven't got too many of those yet. But in general, from everything I've seen, uh, I mean the stuff can still perform in areas. Um, but I really the biggest thing I was looking out for this year was hard spot. So I just wanted to be prepared to manage it and uh, yeah and, and it sounds like you feel like you've you've managed it well yeah i managed it well for this year yeah certainly we have to build the awareness uh build the awareness of where it is and and uh we're gonna i know this fall as we think through putting together uh seeding plans for next year and management practices that's going to be top of mind for everybody so um brett appreciate you joining us today uh wish you a a safe and bountiful harvest um and appreciate you taking the time to be on the show yeah thanks sir thank you brett so welcome back to another grower edition of penny for your thoughts uh we are lucky enough to have clay scott from kansas uh with us clay how are you doing good good morning Good. Thanks for being with us. So, so let's start, uh, Clay. Just tell us a little bit uh, about uh, some, you know, where you're from, and then uh, a little bit about your operation. Okay, um, we farm and ranch here in far southwest Kansas, over the Ogallala Aquifer, uh, irrigated and dry land uh, farming. Um, we raise uh, corn and hard white winter wheat. Is our two primary crops. A little bit of sorghum silage for the dairies and feedlots, but. Um, yep. Mostly corn wheat. Great. Awesome. So we followed uh, Clay kind of a pattern with with uh, with this podcast where we are really kind of going through a process of just trying to let our listeners understand kind of uh, the the season and, and where we ended up. Um, tell us a little bit about planting conditions and you know, you're, you're, uh, you're kind of on the peripheral of our, uh, I, I guess, our normal geography. So, so help me understand kind of what's normal planting look like and, and what did 2022 present for you? So uh, normal planting out here, um, 
lot of lot of dryland corn and milo uh, in the area, but then we also have a, a pretty healthy amount of irrigated land in this part of the world. Good heavy deep soils for the most part. Um, in fact, uh, you know, uh, you, you give us 15, 20 inches of rain of any account during the summer and, and there's millions of bushels of piles of grain on the ground here at the elevators and things like that. Um, we got a lot of acres and, and we can really thump out the bushels in a, in a decent year. But this year we started out, you know, the, in January we were in D3, D4 drought following that December 15th windstorm that went across Kansas. Uh, we had sustained winds of 60 to 85 mile an hour for about five hours and just literally destroyed most of the wheat and, uh, and a lot of the co ground cover and things like that. And so as we went into corn planting this year, you know, we had a lot of struggles because we had uh, piles of blow dirt, you know, corn shucks that were blowed out in fields or bloated to, to the sprinkler corners and things like that. So we did a lot more tillage than we wanted to just to get back into seed prep and with very little subsoil. But we did get some rains in May and, and we were able to get our uh, corn planted and established. And uh, we, we went through the year and, and it's, it's not any surprise. We had about seven inches of rain for the entire year for the last 365 days, actually. And, wow. Yep. And then we threw in some 108 day degree days with some 35 mile an hour winds in, in July during pollination and really just was kind of a kiss of death for a lot of the corn. We are the reason why corn basis is so high. There are hundreds of millions of bushels of lost production in the high plains here of western Kansas and Texas. Mm. And that's why the, the unit trains are rolling hard. We haven't had trains roll in here for probably 10 years. And they're even here in the gut slot of harvest, they're rolling hard into southwest Kansas and the Texas panhandle to offset that loss of grain. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. So what, what, what does that mean? Yeah, go, no, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Clay, I was just going to ask, what's your average maturity in, in, in your area? And, and did you notice any difference in the, the you know, the tolerance of, of that high, high temperature, low, low moisture environment? Um, we, we do a lot of uh, work on, uh, you know, trying to run um, water efficiency um trials and and all but also to you know different hybrids different techniques and and uh methods of of uh implementing uh drought resilience because it's common here and yep. we have good success on it but it it comes down to this year um even with irrigation uh it does take some rainfall and seven inches of rain for a dryland corn crop is is pretty pretty meager especially where we started out the year in a D3 drought, D4. Um, it, it's just, uh, you know, we had no subsoil to work with and didn't. But to say, that, but on, on, the, on the top of that, though, you know, we, we had a few fields that, uh, um, that you know, we, we harvested corn off of um, on, the, on the dry land. And then we, there's a lot of limited water corn here. We have a lot of irrigation, very little water left. The Ogallala is really suffering in this part of the world. And so we, we, we stress that real hard to try to stretch that water. Well, in a year like this, um, even where the crops looked pretty decent, those hot winds really, really took it off uh, on pollination. You know, we just didn't have the kernels on the ears, even though the plant looked good. 
Yeah. So obviously, uh, obviously a, an incredibly challenging year and, and, uh, uh, you know, certainly it's, it's, it's hard to, hard to hear anybody in agriculture production have to go through a challenging season like that. We kind of, we kind of end our, um, you know, in these, in these, end these grower interviews with, do you have significant learnings? Obviously, um, obviously a, a, a less than ideal year in mother nature really, um, placed a heavy burden on your part of the world. Were you able to find some takeaways in that other than uh, Mother Nature is a lot more powerful than we are? To- yeah. So, so you know, that that's one thing about our part of the world. So we have we have fantastic soils and we've, we're pretty high in elevation. So we have good cool nights. And so what we're what we do see in this and, what, and you know, you, t- you throw this year out. This is this is a 1936, 1954 kind of year for us. You know, the historical droughts that you're your grandparents talk about and those kinds of things. Um, so, but that said though, what we, what we are seeing is, you know, some of these crops actually went ahead and some of these varieties actually went ahead and, and they made a plant with an ear, you know, maybe it wasn't much and maybe the yield wasn't there, but you can really see there's a difference in plant health between this variety or this, this type of trait, um, this planting condition. So, and we take those and we'll, we'll, we'll try to magnify that. So when the conditions return to normal, you know, we can hit the home runs, you know, um, uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of acres this year that are going to, going to cut less than 10 bushel an acre on ground with hundred bushel APHs. So it, it, it kind of just shows you that you, you, you can't take this year as a, as a rule of thumb or anything, but you can sure as you're out there harvesting and things like that, you can see is, Hey, is my, is my fertility right? If, if I've got a zinc deficiency or or phosph deficiency, you know, those fields were the very first to flash and things like that. So we, we, we're, we're seeing any, any mistake you made showed up very, even five and six years ago, you know, a compaction area, um, old flood fields, uh, flood roads or something like that where, you know, 35 years ago there was a, the farmer had a road through the middle of the field, things like that showed up this year almost immediately. So, um, you can see, see your deficiencies real easy on a year like this, but then also too, you can say, well, wonder why that's so good right there. And, and maybe you pull a soil sample or maybe you look at a certain hybrid and go, Hey, you know, it, it didn't make it this year, but it, it gave me every chance it could. And, you know, to be honest, until, until that heat at pollination, we had a chance to grow a crop. You know, we, we had protection out there until mother nature finally took it away the one last time. So, you know, I, I think that's what we see in this part of the world is 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 uh, the ability to learn even on a, a terrible year like this that we can move forward. And then, you know, it won't be too much longer, too many more seasons, I hope, and the rains will return and and we'll have, you know, millions and millions of bushel of grain piled on the ground because the elevators just can't handle all of it. Yep. Mm. Well, well, I'm happy to hear that even on a challenging year, you can still, you know, you can still uh, learn something from it. That that always uh, helps helps the you know dr- the drive forward and uh, continue on continue on the process. So, uh, I, I appreciate the insight, uh, Clay. Yeah, I guess one final thing is you know it it, it technology is amazing. You know, um, we can go back through and we can look at you know different uh, little spots and fields and see things, but then also too. 
some of these uh, plant hybrids and the technologies that are coming along with those, you know, we're, we're doing things today with, all, with little or no water that 10, 15 years ago, that would have been a dead plant in the middle of June. And yet, and, and but then also too, you know, we're, we're doing a better job of uh, putting that, that seed in a position to where it can maximize its true uh, yield potential and things like that. So there, there are some things that are incredibly good. It's just, you know, on a year like this, it's, it's hard to see, but I guess sometimes you see those failures are what launch you into the next step when conditions return. Well, I, I, I greatly appreciate your, um, your optimism in otherwise really challenging conditions. Cause I think you're exactly right. It's, it's very easy to pat ourselves on the back when, uh, when everything aligns and we have really good years, but I think to, uh, to stay very even keel and say, let's learn everything that we can and let's, and let's apply those learnings to next year, I think is the, is the way to, um, you know, maintain balance and success. And, and certainly we'll be hoping that for you for next season. And, and if, if you're willing, we'd certainly love to check in again, um, you know, with you uh, uh, next year and just kind of, kind of get an update on how things are going and, and what you guys are seeing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, kind of bring in locations in different parts of the, the corn belt to, to light. You know, we, um, we don't really have a good story to tell this year, but hopefully in the future we will. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. we, we need, we need all of, uh, you know, we need all of agriculture to real, <laughs> you know, to spend time together. And, and, and sometimes that means celebrating success. And, and sometimes that means locking arms when it's, when it's really challenging. So I appreciate you sharing your story with us today and, and, and taking time with us. Um, we'll check in again, but, uh, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yep. Um, I know sometimes you guys get really wet and when you do, don't wish for the rain to go away. Wish for it to go to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What a great, uh, what a great sign off. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Clay. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Clay. You bet. Yep. Goodbye. See ya. Hey, welcome back. We are here with another Penny for Your Thoughts grower episode. Uh, we are lucky enough to have with us uh, Brad Tolson from Missouri. Brad, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much for being with us. So so the end goal uh, with this is to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, get your take on how the year's been and, and maybe talk about some expectations going into harvest. So why don't you uh, start us off with, you know, maybe how planting conditions were in your area and how planting went for you. Yeah, sure. We had a reasonably good planting season. Um, our, our corn got planted probably two or three weeks later than normal. And beans were pretty normal. Some of the guys that like to go early had a little period in there where they weren't able to go. But um, a lot of the corn was planted toward the end of April and into the first week or so of May. And then uh, the beans were planted, you know, the last half of May and a little bit into June. Do you traditionally go corn first, then beans, Brad? We do on our, on our operation. There's definitely been a trend for some guys to, to start planting beans the same time that they, that they plant corn. We've got five or six guests that we're interviewing for this series. And it's funny because I think it's about a 50-50 split of the growers that are planting uh, beans first and then corn. And then, you know, the other half are doing it the opposite. Um, planting conditions, uh, moisture, temperature, how are, how are those things in your area? Obviously a little delayed, but uh, what were your soil conditions like? Yeah, I think with the later planted corn, the, the soil was warmer and 
we found that we were able to get uh, more complete stands. We didn't have as, as many plants missing. And so that worked out really well having, you know, the warmer planting conditions was nice, even though it might not have been our preferred planting dates. And, and with beans, um, it was, it was a little spotty, really. You know, a lot of the guys didn't achieve full stands. And with the season that we ended up having, I think that that didn't really hurt us too much. It might have helped in some cases. So the beans, we didn't, you know, didn't have ideal planting conditions. The corn was pretty ideal. It was just a little bit um, later than normal. Sure, sure. Yep. Uh, tell, us, uh, tell us about the summer then. So uh, give, us, give us kind of uh, the summer and maybe your expectations coming into harvest. Yeah, sure. We we had uh, just the most ideal summer that we've ever had in my in my time farming. Really? Uh, yeah, we <laughs> we have not heard that from very many of our uh, yeah. of our guests. That's great. Yeah it it's uh, it's one of those things that you know just never happens. But uh, there were two different times this summer where it was starting to get to that point where we were thinking that we were going into the going into the drought that we usually see and along about the first of July we had a, a really small chance of of rain and we got like three inches that night oh, wow. and, then, and then two weeks later it was the same thing uh, just a you know like a 15 percent chance of light showers or something and we wake up in the morning and we've had another three inches of rain so um, those two things you know just made the corn crop and then we had enough rain to uh, keep the beans going along and, and they had a rain every time they needed one, um, barring maybe just a, a tiny little two or three week period at the very end of, of uh, pod fill that might have just took just a, a little bit off the yield. So we're in a really small kind of pocket here where that happened. I would say maybe a hundred or 150 mile radius from where we're at and you can drive, you know, an hour or a little more almost in any direction. And the guys, you know, are not, not having that kind of a experience, but we yeah. were just really, really, really fortunate here. Yeah. And, and I apologize. I forget, I forget, I forgot. Uh, what part of uh, Missouri are you in, Brad? We're in North central Missouri near Trenton. Okay, great. So, so it sounds like you guys got pretty lucky in, in regards to some, some uh, rain throughout the summer. Um, I, I would, I would imagine that had to have, uh, you know, expectations were probably pretty high going into harvest. Yeah, they were. I think that every time we got another rain, uh, everybody was like, our corn's going to be really good. No, it's going to be really, really good, you know, and it just kept, <laughs> kept raising everyone's expectation to the point where I'm not sure. Uh, I wasn't sure going into harvest if, you know, we could have as good a crop as everybody thought that we were going to, but honestly we're probably 40 or 50 bushel above normal on corn wow and, oh that's and, awesome you know 10 or 15 bushel above normal on soybeans so far so yeah it's just been it's been an unbelievable uh blessing to to have a year like this that's that's pretty fun right i mean we we all put together a great plan and work hard and so much of it's outside of our control. And, and, uh, when, when mother nature cooperates, it, it sure makes it fun in the fall. Um, Brad, give us, if you're comfortable, give us kind of, um, what, what does 40 or 50 bushels ahead mean? Um, kind of give us some ballpark on corn and soybeans for you guys. And, and maybe how does that correlate to average? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of the growers in this area, there's a lot of variability. So, you know, we have, 
we have land in this area that will produce up with the I states. And then there's also land where, um, you know, 150 bushel APH is not uncommon, you know, in this area. So, sure. um, you know, we're seeing whole farm averages, you know, through a, a grower's entire operation over 200 really routinely where a lot of growers maybe have never had fields that made over 200 bushel before. So, wow. That's uh, awesome. It, yeah. It's That's been a lot of fun. I bet. Yeah. I bet when, yeah, when mother nature does uh, give us, you know, those timely rains throughout the summer, it's, it's fun to get into harvest and reap the rewards of all that energy put into that, that, that planting. So, if, if, 20, <laughs> if 2021 taught us anything though, um, at least in Iowa, Brad, it sounds like you're having the year we had last year. Uh, just, just pray next year is as good. Cause it's, uh, it puts a flavor in your mouth that you desire. And then, uh, and then it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get back to those numbers. So hopefully, uh, hopefully 2023 is, uh, is as bountiful as 2022 has been. Um, probably my favorite part of this, uh, this series of interviewing growers has been kind of asking just if you have a, a key takeaway from the growing season. So obviously mother nature's cooperation is really important, but is there anything that you uh, saw or observed on your farm, a, a, a practice or a, a program or a product that you just really, uh, just really thought worked or, or maybe didn't work? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that, you know, what you said was very true. We, we're just extremely blessed and, and have a real attitude of, of gratefulness and, and gratitude that we were, you know, able to be in the situation that we're in. And I think that, you know, one thing that, that I've been thinking about is just, you know, making sure that, that we get our affairs in order and be ready for, for what's next. And also, you know, try to do the, do the right things with, with the blessings that we've been given and, and, uh, just really thankful for the the people that we're able to work with and the and the situation that we're in the um some of the things that you know we might have observed with the crop this year um just i think that there's been a a trend also toward planting some fuller season hybrids than what guys used to plant around here and yep that definitely has been something that in a year where we get ample rainfall has shown you know, a good, a good result, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, uh, a, a hybrid that's earlier than 110 day versus, you know, something that's 117 or higher has been, you know, significant. Our, our earlier hybrids were easily 20 bushel less than our fuller season hybrids. So yeah. in a year where we get rainfall through July, it's, it's pretty easy to see that there's, higher potential with those fuller season hybrids yeah well i'm, I'm uh that, that is something that definitely seems to be picking up trend brad and uh definitely happy to hear that that uh you know again mother nature and and everything is giving you uh everything you know all those blessings so happy to hear that so really really appreciate you being on the show and, and giving us some insight on you know into what you're seeing there in missouri and uh you know maybe some lessons learned from 2022 yeah, thank you very much, Brad. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. You guys have a great day. Yeah, Thanks, too. Brad. Bye. Well, Andrew, that was certainly uh, certainly a fun series of interviews. Um, I so we're going to do our traditional end to the podcast, which is a penny for your thoughts. But um, I, I I have to say, I'm a little bit disturbed that in two different 
scenarios you got called out for good advice. I'm uh, uh, <laughs> get used to I it, my friend. Uh, get used to yeah, it. I mean, I, I I'm not uh, I'm not sure I like uh, having to deal with people uh, uh, paying forward compliments to you like that. But uh, <laughs> no, it was really good. Um, you know, it's 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 really interesting to hear the perspective. You know, my my takeaway was certainly that. Um, you know, we're just in a time where there's really inconsistent weather and inconsistent weather patterns. And, yep. and in some scenarios, that's creating some really good opportunity. And, and unfortunately, in other ones, it's creating challenges. But I think it speaks to the heart of what we're trying to do with the podcast, which is, you know, let's manage crops. Um, let's let's think well about what we're trying to accomplish and, and let's be open to new ideas. But yep. as I cash in my penny, Andrew, uh, give me your succinct takeaways from uh, this week's podcast. Yeah. And, and I think before I do that, you know, I, I kind of got to speak on, on this whole experience too. You know, I, I think we were both pretty excited to do this and, and try something new, you know, just, just talking with the growers from around the corn belt, trying to get their perspective. And, you know, I, I, I've had some time since we finished up our last interview this morning to try and maybe take it all in and, and think about it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think I was just really humbled listening to these growers across mm. the corn belt give us give us their thoughts on on how the year's been on on just how they they think progressively you know uh how the, how the, how such optimism in you know you listen to that um our, our grower from kansas how how optimistic he is despite the year they've had and you know i i think we both both have a passion for crop production and then you you hear stuff like this and it just it kind of feeds that passion right you know i, I just it, it was it was better than expected and I, re- I really enjoyed and appreciated all the time the growers gave us i no i i couldn't agree more and i think that um you know th- this started this podcast started as an idea of, of let's just talk about our passion and i think the thing that's really neat is um, you know, if you stay too tight in your own little circle, you sometimes lose kind of the the fresh ideas and the fresh thinking and, and even an awareness of just really how big the agriculture production system is and the different the different areas that are going through different struggles. I mean, we know people that are going through um, you know, literally record breaking yields and we know people that are probably gonna produce the lowest amount they've ever produced. And those people might only be 12 or 15 hours apart from each other. And so um, I, I, I love the call out about the humility and, and um, the best growers are are the the people who are having the best success are pouring in insights the same way that the people are that are struggling. So yeah, really great call out. Um, uh, Really appreciated the growers that are willing to take the time to spend time with us. And most of them are in the middle of harvest. So it's not like they're (laughs) sitting around. How how many growers we talked to were either in a combine or in a ripper. Yeah. Yeah, every, everybody was in the field doing something. So, no, really appreciate it. But um, we, we talked about a few things, key takeaways. Um, give me give me yours. Yeah, so uh, I, I did. I, I got uh, three really good takeaways, I think. You know, after talking with growers, there, there seemed to be some trends. Um, I, I think the first one that stood, stood out was, you know, uh, a lot of the growers we talked to, um, you know, just despite the, the struggles early season that, that a lot of us faced, uh, a lot of them were getting their beans in before corn. And, and I, th- I think that's something yeah. we continuously see here in Iowa. And, and I think growers across the Corn Belt, it sounds like they're they're slowly starting to adopt that practice as well. And so I think that's that's one of the lessons learned. Um, I, I think another one uh, that kind of ties in with uh, those uh, those compliments, I think, that came uh, upon recommendations that you were you were talking about so highly earlier uh, is, is uh, throwing a little sulfur in there with your 32 <laughs> percent. So 
Um, yeah, I, uh, I I love the fact that uh, I love the fact that you're getting kudos on uh, you're getting kudos on uh, uh, our radio show. That's great. I have to deal with that now. I'm sure I'll get, I'm sure I'll get feedback from some other people for that. But absolutely, yeah. So no, I, I think uh, you know sulfur has been a topic of discussion for you know two to three four years. Um, and so you know if if you got if you got growers that are thinking about side dressing with 32, percent don't forget to add a little sulfur. And, and I think that also matches up, you know, if, if you're using MAP or DAP, uh, potash, you know, uh, don't forget to add a little sulfur because I think there is a lot of sulfur deficient fields out there. Uh, and then finally, it sounds like, you know, we have a, a number of growers that are that are on narrow rows, you know, as, as people continue to push yields, um, want to increase population. You know, sometime we're at some point we're just gonna have to narrow up rows, and so you know it it sounded like we had we had a number of growers on twenty inch rows, in in really really trying to push pops as they as they try and increase yields on the farms. So those those are my key key takeaways. Hope it was worth your penny. <laughs> um, I really appreciate it. I I thought it was awesome the conversation. You know, so there's obviously different philosophies with all these farmers, and the the my takeaway was all of these guys are really trying to learn, yeah. you know, year after year, adopt new practices, try new things, be open to suggestions. And, and that's really exciting. Yep. And then the neat part is a lot of that's fitting into what some of our industry experts have come in and talk about. You know, I, I think as recently to Sean Conley talking about plant your, your beans seven to 10 days before you plant your corn. And a lot of growers did that this year and have experienced great success in season um, management of crops, just all those things. It's really encouraging to hear that those practices are taking place, but your comment earlier about humility, um, it's amazing how we're calling some of the best of the best and their attitude is, I, I just want to constantly be learning. Yeah. You know, I want to try yep. things and, and learn. So, and, and that uh, was, that was one said, of the things, that was one of the things, you know, as, as we talked with some of these growers before we started recording and after, you know, it, it was really good to hear how much they enjoyed the, the idea of us going to talk to growers across the corn belt, you know, cause, cause, you know, it can be tricky talking with, you know, production practices and, and new things you've tried within your own County with, with neighbors. But when we start thinking as a whole and, and, and we get people together that want to make, make farming for everybody better, it, it's that much easier when you start talking state to state. And so it, it was just really good to hear growers, you know, re- really appreciative and, you know, being able to, to talk with them and just gather information, you know, in, in, uh, of crop production as a whole. So that was good to hear. And it, it just led to the, you know, the humility factor again, just going back to that. It's, it's great working with guys like that. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so, so a couple of things that kind of just popped into my mind and, and spitball in here, I, I think it'd be really fun to feature some of these, uh, some of these growers uh, throughout the year and just talk about what they're seeing on their operation and, and with that being said, I guess as we get ready to close the the, the show this week, um, I would invite our listeners, uh, please engage. If you if you have topics you want us to cover, experts you want us to talk to, or um, if you, if you want to uh, engage with the show, even if you want to be considered as a guest, um, reach out to us. Our goal is to is to feature people that think well and are doing well and are open to learning. Um, been a been a great week. It's been super fun. Uh, excited to interview the growers and and, and share this with our audience. Yep. Uh, anything to add, Andrew? Do we need to have a teaser for next week? Yeah, we probably better. We've got we've got a pretty exciting guest <laughs> coming up. Um, I think I think because of the late nature of the recording, uh, in full transparency to our listeners, uh, recording a bunch of farmers separately takes a lot more time than recording one episode. So we're probably going to release this 
I, my assumption would be Monday, Andrew. Yep. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Tease, tease our guests about, uh, or tease our listeners about who we have coming up. Yep. So we had a, we had a pretty rough year um, when, when it comes to crown rot and stock rots. You know, we saw a lot of crown rots come up late with uh, the, the added stress that the drought and, uh, you know, warm, warm temperatures uh, brought us. So uh, we got the uh, industry expert, uh, I should say one of the industry experts on uh, crown rot and stock rots from uh, the hint is the University of Nebraska. I love it. I love it. Uh, thank you for, for participating. Thank you guys for being a part of our show. Thanks for all the feedback. Uh, we will see you next week. See ya.